It's a, uh, it's a true honor to be here today. When I was asked to speak a couple of months ago, I really started praying that the Lord would be very clear in what he wanted me to share. And as you guys know, our theme is listening. Um, and the Lord was clear with me when I started praying that he was going to have me wait for what he wanted me to share. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm fairly, I love the theme of listening. I hate the theme of waiting. So, but, but he was clear that I was supposed to wait. And so every morning I'd go on my prayer walk and I'd ask the Lord, is today the day? And it wouldn't be the day. Um, but a week and a half ago, we did a day of prayer in Young Life and we looked at the passage, John 21. And the Lord so impacted me personally with that passage and said, this is, this is what I want you to share with the church on this day. So um, I'm excited that we'll be going through this together. I'm going to pray and then we'll look at the passage. So Lord Jesus, come be here. Uh, your Holy Spirit um, leads us into all truth and your word is active and living. And so I pray, Lord, any word I would say that would not be of you um, would drift away and would not be remembered, Lord. Um, but I pray the things you would have us, um, have us remember today that you would speak that to our hearts. Uh, we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I think the passage is going to be up on the, on the screen. It is interesting. If I had my notes up there, I wouldn't need these, but uh, that's about the right distance for me to see. It's uh, John 21. It said, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon heard Peter say it is the Lord, excuse me, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I'm gonna stop right there. Um, a lot has happened to set up this story. Jesus has been crucified, he's been raised from the dead, he's appeared to the disciples twice. 
This particular passage is going to focus a little bit on Peter. And so what we need to know with Peter, of course, is that he, uh, he told Jesus that he wouldn't desert him, and he did in the garden. And then he said he wouldn't deny him, and three times he did um, that fateful evening. They are now back at the Sea of Galilee. It's about, been about two weeks, and they're fishing. And they've caught nothing. And the thing that fishermen hate to hear when they've caught nothing is someone asking them, how is the fishing? Which is what Jesus does. They says, have you caught anything? And of course they say, no. Then comes the illogical su- suggestion of verse six. Move the nets to the right side of the boat. This would have reminded Peter of three years earlier in the same body of water when Jesus made a similar illogical request to him. It's recorded in Luke 5, but I love the way the series The Chosen represents this, and so we're going to watch this scene now. These parables I tell make sense to some, not to others. Be patient. That is all for today. I have some business to attend to with my new friend. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. Take that side! Oh. Ah. 
us to do the illogical and he performs the miraculous. When you work for an international missions organization, you get, a lot, you get to see a lot of illogical things happen. They just don't make sense. Our work in Africa is one of our strongest in young life when looking for illogical obedience. For our Africa ministry in 2011, the least likely country to have young life was Somalia. It was 99% Muslim at the time, controlled by Islamic terrorist group. Of the 14 million citizens, only 172 known Christians, and 70 of them were in jail. Yet Steve Larmy, who leads our work, and his African team were praying that the Lord would provide a way for young life to be in Somalia. Steve was flying back from West Africa. He had a nice seat in the front of the plane on the aisle and they moved him to a middle seat in the back. When he got in the back of the plane, he realized that he was sitting in the middle of a group of people that were together. When he asked the person to his right, what's this group of people? He said, we're the transitional government for the country of Somalia. And on his right was the head of the Department of Defense and the left was the head of transportation. As the plane started to take off, they started to do their call to prayer. Of course, all of them were Muslim. And the Lord told Steve to get his Bible out and to do his quiet time. And there he had a conversation with the two men sitting next to him about sharing Jesus with adolescents and helping them grow in their faith. And illogically, miraculously, they invited Steve to come to Mogadishu. Now, Steve would say this was the most dangerous trip he'd ever taken in Africa at the time, probably the most dangerous place on the earth in 2011, certainly for an American Christian. But the Lord told Steve to go, and so he went. He didn't know 
what he was going to do while he was there. He just knew he was being faithful. He gets to the hotel and he's praying that the Lord would reveal to him what was next. And he heard a woman utter the name Jesus. Steve went up and introduced himself to her. Turns out she was one of those hundred believers not in jail and introduced Steve to the person that now leads our Young Life work in Somalia. Today, we have 15 ministries in the city of Mogadishu. I love that the Lord does things that we could never draw up ourselves. Most of us won't be on an African plane with the transitional government for Somalia. But there are times in all of our lives the Lord's asked us to be obedient, that require humility in things that seem illogical. The person that you don't know at all, and the Lord wants you to walk up and introduce yourself to them. The act of service God wants you to offer to your neighbor, uh, the neighbor you don't really like. The money he wants you to give and the thing that you think might be wasteful or the apologies he's asking you to make to the person that you feel wronged you. Do you wanna know a secret to living life to the full? When the Lord is asking, always be obedient, especially when it's illogical. Imagine if Peter hadn't thrown the net. Imagine if Steve hadn't sat in the middle seat. Do you not know that these are not tests, but they're gifts? I love in the chosen video because there's such joy on the face of Jesus when they're receiving the miraculous catch. It gives him joy when we're obedient. It seems when we obey Jesus, we discover him anew. In verse eight, John exclaims, it is the Lord after the miraculous catch of fish. Peter impulsively jumps into the water, swims to shore, the six others bring, come in the boat. In verse nine, we see the hospitality of Jesus with a fire burning coals with fish on it and some bread. The seven men are warmly received by Jesus that morning. That seven men, that's an interesting group if you think about it. You have Peter who denied Jesus three times. You have Thomas who doubted his resurrection. You have Nathaniel, who the only thing that is quoted as saying is nothing good can come from Nazareth. You have James and John who lobbied to be in powerful positions in the kingdom. And you have two others not named. Jesus invites people who fail. They just failed at fishing, but they're probably aware of their failings in following Jesus. All seven of those men had scattered in the Garden of Gethsemane, and only one was out at the foot of the cross, and that was John. Jesus invites the hurting. He invites those that are bashful in his presence. This is good news because when it comes to Jesus, you and I have a lot of failures. We fail, and he keeps inviting. Jesus is the master of the invitation. Jesus says in verse 12, come have breakfast. Come and warm up at this fire. Come and rest after an exhausting night. Come and enjoy my presence. The pages of scripture are filled with God's invitation. You wanna know something? Jesus can't get enough of you. Renee and I meet with a spiritual director named Ronnie Smith, who every other month talks to us about our walk with Jesus. 
Renee was talking with Ronnie. Renee's a teacher. And he said to Renee, Renee, in your class, do you have favorites? Renee said, well, I don't know that we're supposed to have favorites, but we have kids that we connect a little more with. And he said, you know, Renee, you're Jesus's favorite. You're his favorite. Now, I don't know if any of you feel like anyone's favorite, but if you don't remember anything I say, remember this. You're the Lord's favorite. You don't bore him. You're not too much for him. He loves your company. He's jealous to be with you. The radical hospitality is a model for us to follow because we are loved this way by the Lord. We are asked to love others this way. What's this mean for us as a church? The Fuller Youth Ministry Institute did a four-year study on churches that that are growing and growing younger. They found 250 churches across the United States. And you know what they said was the main characteristic of these churches? It wasn't that they were hip and trendy, which is really good news for Eastminster, right? It was that they were warm, that they were hospitable. Warm is the new cool. As a church, we want guests to feel welcome, to feel wanted. We want them to know that we've been thinking of them and that we're prepared for them to walk through our doors. The rest of the scripture goes this way. Their breakfast ends and Peter goes on a walk with Jesus. Peter, remembering three betrayals, is going to be asked three questions and get three commissions. In verse 15, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I believe this might be the most important question you could ever answer. Do you love Jesus? Do you truly love Jesus? Peter Peter answers yes three times as a kind of loving reinstatement from his three denials. But Jesus not only forgives Peter, he commissions him. Jesus is sharing his own work, his own ministry with Peter. After all, Jesus is the good shepherd. Peter is to share in Jesus' task of shepherding. If you love Jesus... You must care and love for his church. I'll say that again. If you love Jesus, you must care and love for his church. I want to be candid with you for a second, Eastminster. As a member of the church, I think we do a pretty good job of loving those in the church. However, I'm not sure we do a good job of loving those on staff called to serve this church. I need to be up front and say that I'm raising my hand as a person who fails at this regularly. I'm not on staff, never been on church staff, but I am in ministry full time. Those on staff are here because they feel called to the Lord to serve this church and grow his ministry. This is a hard place to be on church staff. You want to know why it's hard? Because this church is full of leaders. 
When you have the gift of leadership, you walk into a room and you quickly notice the 1% of things that aren't right instead of the 99% things that are. I understand that gift. I have that gift too. But what if the Lord's not asking us to use that gift to serve our staff? What if we need to exercise other gifts, the gift of encouragement, the gift of service, or the gift of hospitality? I believe we all want Eastminster to be a thriving, growing church, right? I think for that to happen, we need to love our staff the way Christ has modeled. Jesus said, they're gonna know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. This might be the first place we need to focus our love. We're gonna finish here back in the text. So Jesus is giving Peter no small task and the group to be shepherding was no easy group. They were diverse and divided. I'm gonna show one more clip because I love the way this helps give an idea of how diverse this group is. Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? Grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Welcome to the church. The body of Christ is complicated, challenging, and messy. 
You want to know why it's like this? Because Jesus keeps inviting. He invites everyone. No discretion, no guidelines, no requirements. He just invites away. He can't help himself. He loves people so much. They are his favorites. He won't rest until his favorites are in his church. His plan is to use us, me and you, to invite people here to our community. People he's literally been pursuing their entire lives. How's he going to get them here? One way is that he's going to prompt me and you. The Holy Spirit's going to prompt us. It's going to be an illogical request, something to do with someone in your family or your neighborhood or at work, a prompting to have an illogical conversation or an illogical act of service. That person who you would never thought would come to this place through those doors, what will they experience when they do? Wouldn't it be incredible if they what they experienced was radical hospitality by a community that loved Jesus and loved each other? That, my friends, is completely up to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this community. We are grateful that you keep inviting. We're grateful that every time these doors are open, new people come in. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us first by loving each other, then help us by loving those you bring here. May we honor you. May your Holy Spirit guide us when it's illogical. May you give us the ability to show hospitality. And may we love like you love us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.